Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Right now, of Alex's photographer, you can see for those who are just joining us, uh, there is a heavy law enforcement presence in that area right now. Alex hearing just a moment ago, uh, within the last, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes or so, calls for the FBI, uh, FBI. Alex Capriello live for us on the ground once again. Alex, come on in here to the Hill on News Nation for those who are just turning in right now. Um, Alex, do you do you have us? Yeah, I, I don't got think you right he now. does. You can see, you got us. All right, Alex, yeah, just explain to yeah. our audience who's just joining in what you're seeing, what you're hearing as this manhunt continues. Yeah, just about, I would say, 20 minutes ago, I uh, came down this way through uh, Bowdoin, and that's where I got stopped by the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. They told me, whoa, 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 stop it right there. Turn around. You can't go any further. That's when I knew something was up. I got out of my car, and I started uh, just sort of watching them, observing, and that's when all of a sudden I heard on the loudspeaker, FBI, open the door. FBI opened the door. It was happening repeatedly, repeatedly, one after another. I would say that that uh, sort of command echoed out for a good three to five minutes. Then all of a sudden, the loudspeaker stopped. We didn't hear anything anymore. I started to wonder what was actually happening. And then when I was live with Connell McShane just about 10 minutes ago, that's when we started to hear very, very loud explosions happening about a quarter of a mile down this road. We don't know exactly what those explosions were. I don't have any visuals. I can't tell you specifically from what I'm witnessing. I can only really tell you from what I'm hearing and from what I'm seeing around me. For example, we see these police officers that are right here uh, standing, looking out into the distance. The noises that we're hearing are actually about a quarter of a mile that way. And so you can see that they're actually looking out over this plane, most likely securing the perimeter, making sure that they have visual uh, contact about everything that's actually happening within this general area. We see helicopters and aircraft actually swooping overhead. And if I actually just walk a little bit that way, I can see um, some more vehicles that are actually up that road from the distance where those noises were coming from, those explosions, I should say. They were very, very loud. Again, we don't know where exactly that is or who is exactly back there. Um, I just did speak to a neighbor uh, who told me that he believes that this is the home of the brother of the suspect, Robert Card. Mm. It's, he tells me that it's actually been an abandoned home for quite some time. Um, we are awaiting official confirmation of that, but that is what uh, one of the neighbors here just told us on News Nation. Uh, so we are going to try to dig into those uh, claims a little bit more. But if so, that would make sense. If it was an abandoned home that belonged to the family, then perhaps that is the place where the suspect, Robert Card, has been hiding out all this time. You know, uh, Alex, it stood out to me that you said you are a quarter mile of away, a quarter mile away. You know this. I know this. Normally, when you roll up as a reporter to a scene, maybe you can get a, a block or two away. But in this case, if you're talking about a couple thousand feet, 
it goes to show that law enforcement is not playing around right now. This man is considered armed and dangerous. Yeah, and I would tell you all day long it's been that way. You really can't drive around Maine very easily, especially this part right now, because you're coming across so many police barricades where they are just stopping traffic because they're conducting such a widespread manhunt. That's what they've been doing since 7 p.m. last night. And so, uh, really, police are very fluid in their movements. They're kind of going to certain locations, then leaving, uh, going somewhere else. And so as a reporter, you're just trying to uh, chase the story, chase the scene, find out where this manhunt is going. And that's just what happened right here, right place, right time, finding this location at the exact moment we hear that FBI command calling out. Again, we don't know if anyone is inside that home. Uh, we don't know. It could have just been a command to an empty home. Uh, but we are trying to find that information out. Hopefully we get some of those answers tonight at 6 p.m. where they tell us that they have more information from a press conference. Alex Capriello live on the ground in Bowdoin, Maine. Alex, if you hear anything, you see anything, let us know. We'll come right back to you. Alex, thank you. You know I will. All right. Yep. Uh, and over at the White House, by the way, up on Capitol Hill, flags lowered to half staff honoring the victims of this horrible tragedy. We'll speak with the mayor of Maine's most populous city and take a look at how the FBI could be helping as we welcome you in here to the Hill on News Nation. Plus, why in the world did the United States let Iran's foreign minister onto U.S. soil? He's the foreign minister of Iran. We are the host of the U.N. We take that responsibility seriously. Do we particularly like the fact that he's on U.S. soil? No. That warning, uh, the warning rather, that the Iranian leader delivered while in New York City at the United Nations as well. We'll get into that. And it is day one for the new Speaker of the House. Why a nickname is already starting to stick. The Hill on News Nation starts right now. All right. Hello and welcome to The Hill once again. Thank you for being with us on a very busy day. I'm Blake Berman, joined today by Mick Mulvaney, the former White House chief of staff to Donald Trump. Of course, a News Nation and uh, political and economic contributor as well. Kevin Walling is a former Biden-Harris campaign surrogate. And Denise Gitsum is a former aide to President George W. Bush. Hello to you all. We, of course, continue to keep our eyes uh, on the situation that is going on in Maine, a manhunt underway, 18 people dead, multiple people in the hospital. Uh, the FBI, it appears, it, it seems like is narrowing down on an area. Denise, we start with you. Bowdoin, Maine, you know it very well. Yeah, so the town of Bowdoin is actually 15 minutes from the college that I attended. But when you are a Mainer, even if it's just for four years as an undergrad, you become part of the community. What people don't realize is what you see on the screen, the idyllic, the peacefulness of that area is how you feel when you go to Maine. It's called vacation mm. land for a reason. And the communities have to depend on themselves to get through the weather that they have up there. They're very close-knit, and there aren't that many people. My uh, college roommate, her dad was actually the mayor of Lewiston in the 80s. And so we went to Lewiston a lot with their family just for holidays and whatnot. And I, I just, my heart today is just breaking in a million pieces shattering for not only the students at Bates, our, our old rival right. in Lewiston, but also, I mean, I've been getting updates from my college all day, and they've been talking about lockouts, yeah, lockdowns. Yeah, they're still sheltering students everybody's, there on, on everybody's campus. Everybody is shelters in place, yeah. yeah. I couldn't help but notice what, what she mentioned. Like, you look at the picture in Maine, and 
peaceful skies, nice sunset, looked like beautiful weather. They were in, in T-shirts, and you got the FBI right now in the middle of a manhunt. Yeah, like it's a horrifying situation. Alex, my, my partner and I spent a lot of time up in Maine during the summers, just like uh, with Denise, because it's a beautiful place to visit, Kenny Bunkport, Portland, what have you. This now is the 10th most deadly uh, shooting in the history of this country, and the 34th this year involving four or more fatalities. So I think there's obviously a lot more questions and answers at this point in terms of motive. I'm sure they will be exploring that with the FBI, ATF, others on the ground. Uh, but certainly early indications were that this uh, individual was suffering from a mental yeah. uh, issue, had checked himself into a treatment facility as part of uh, uh, being in the armed services. Uh, and, uh, and we'll see what comes of this in terms of changes up there to policies, maybe laws. But certainly it's too early to tell, I think, on that front. Nick? Uh, this is why the White House gets paid the big bucks. This is what you, when you run for office, these are the days that you, you don't really want to have, but this right. is what you're going to have, right? I mean, imagine now you're in the White House, you're pulling 24-hour days already because of what's happening mm-hmm. in Israel, and now you've got this on the domestic home front. The, the tensions there will be extraordinarily high. The stress levels on the people working there will be extraordinarily high. It's, it's not a fun time to be working in the White House right now. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's bring in former CIA officer. Former FBI special agent as well, News Nation contributor Tracy Walder. Uh, Tracy, you've been watching along here with us. This is, you know, it, it seems like this is zeroed in now, potentially, at least from what Alex is seeing and hearing there on the ground in Bowdoin. Um, it, we saw a, a, a law enforcement presence there, at least dead smack in front of our cameras. From the FBI's perspective here, clearly they have joined this. What's it like? What, what are they doing right now? Well, thank you so much for having me, Blake. So I think there's a couple things that are going on right now. I think they are not treating this as an active shooter type of situation. If they were, they'd be making dynamic entry into this home right away using SWAT teams, um, using battery rams, those kinds of things. What the I, I was listening before to what Alex was talking about and the explosions he could be discussing are things like flashbang grenades, um, tear gas, those kinds of things to try to flush anyone out who is in there. Again, we don't know who is in there, but that's most likely what's going on right now is they're trying to would you use that stuff would you use that stuff if you didn't know someone was in there like oh maybe this is the house or this is the location so let's use use you know flashbangs or and tear gas or you only use that because you believe someone is there that is an excellent question. Thank you for asking that. You only use that when you know that someone is in there um, and okay. that there's a dangerous situation. Um, typically, that's protocol. Again, I don't know the specifics of what exactly is going on in there. But no, they're not things that you would just kind of use at your whim um, to try to get someone out. You would have to have a reason to be using them. Again, I don't know you know, what he exactly heard, but those could explain some of those explosions. Um, how big is the law enforcement presence there? Like, obviously, this is this is Maine, a a more rural state, smaller population and dealing with something that they've never dealt with before. I would imagine that the law enforcement presence is massive. Again, it's the local law enforcement that would take the lead in a case like this. However, it's my understanding that they have requested the FBI's presence. They have requested the ATF's presence. And it's also my understanding that earlier today, the Coast Guard was brought in. They have to be brought in by invitation. They don't just sort of show up, um, if you will, on on the front doorstep. Also, we have to think about you've got Bowdoin College and Bates College in this area. Um, So I would imagine their campus police as well are also involved in this. So this is a massive Herculaneum um, effort going on here on, on the front of all law enforcement. All right. Tracy Walder, former FBI, former CIA. Thank you for the time and expertise as always. We'll see you next time, Tracy. Thank you. 
All right. We are also learning more about uh, what happened last night in Lewiston. News Nation's Adrian Bankert, Marky Martin as well, spoke with Kenny Moore, an eyewitness to the sh- uh, bowling alley shooting. He described how the deadly incident unfolded. When I looked around the corner and looked towards the entrance of the bowling alley, I, I saw that man, and he was basically fumbling with a jammed gun. Wow. I, I had a lot of trouble falling asleep last night because if that gun hadn't have jammed, if he hadn't had trouble with that, that AR-style rifle, you know, would he have, would he have made it down, down the aisle where, where I was? Joining us now is the mayor of Portland, Maine, Kate Snyder. Uh, Kate, thank you for joining us here on the Hill. We continue to look at these live pictures in Bowdoin, Maine, which uh, I believe is a little north and west. Maybe correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe 25, 30 miles or so from you, give or take, uh, depending on where this specific location is. We are all horrified what happened inside your state. I'm wondering right now what sort of precautions you're taking in Portland. After all, that is the most populous city in Maine. There have been a lot of um, business closures today. Uh, The city of Portland remained opened at at, at City Hall and at our Health and Human Services office, um, both with police presence available. Other city buildings were, um, people were at work, but they were closed to the public. Um, The city feels quiet right now. Um, So, Hmm. you know, we're about, we're about 30 minutes, 30 or 40 minutes away from Lewiston. So we're, um, you know, we're not we're not right there adjacent to the city of Lewiston, um, but it's it's the impact is incredible um, all over the state. Yeah. Walk me through some of the decisions you had to make today, Kate. Well, uh, really, the city manager works um, to manage the operations of the city. And so um, just decisions about staffing and, uh, you know, like I said, build, building openings and closings. Um, our Portland Police Department um, was up in Augusta, in, in, in Lewiston, um, you know, starting last night and, and has been throughout the day today. So, um, like I said, we're, we all uh, are, are very concerned and very impacted. Maine is, when it comes to violent crime, um, I believe the, the safest state in the United States. Uh, the violent crime rate, 103 per 100,000 people. That is the lowest in the U.S. In, t- in 2022, 29 murders, um, 18 in a day just yesterday. Obviously, no one ever wants anything like this to happen or even thinks that this could happen in their community. But in Maine, I have to imagine you never thought something like this would happen in your backyard. No, I mean, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's what we read about. It's not what we have here, and now we do. So it's devastating. All right, Mayor Kate Snyder. Um, I'm, I'm sure you got a lot on your plate right now, so um, we'll let you run there. But, but we appreciate the time and perspective. Thank you. Um, let's keep that live picture up right now, uh, if we can, uh, because there is very clearly an, an active scene going on there in Bowdoin, Maine. Live look once again. You know, when you think of Maine, again, I go back to this stat. It is the lowest in the nation when it comes to violent crime, Denise. Yeah, and Lewiston is consistently ranked as one of the top 10 safest cities in America. I mean, I was looking at some of the, I found a bunch, I was doing a bunch of research on this guy today, the shooter, the alleged shooter, 
And even his own family members didn't see this coming. And so there was, you know, Maine... Could or could not, I'm sorry. They did not see it coming. And they were saying that he's actually a really nice, quiet guy. And Maine has yellow flag, a yellow flag law right. that has been lauded as the national, sta- like a national model legislation for keeping hands keeping guns out of the hands of dangerous people like this guy. But if you've got your own family members and people talking about you, and I don't think it was the kind of like my mothers when they talk about their sons, you know, oh, he's an angel kind of thing. But really, his community didn't say anything alarming about him. And so the fact that now we're learning that there's these mental health issues that arose and he was treated over the summer is really terrifying. Like, where was the mental health? Where where were the people to call that out? All right, we will, uh, we will be right back as we continue to take a live look. Vote in Maine, Alex Capriello, live on the other side of the break with what he's seeing and what he's hearing. We'll be right back here on The Hill. All right, welcome back here to The Hill on News Nation. We continue uh, to keep our eye on Vote in Maine as it appears as if that authorities there are at least starting to zero in on a possible area and that, and that suspect uh, Robert Card, 40 years old. If we have the live pictures, uh, it's it's what we've been watching here on News Nation for about the last 40 minutes or so. Alex Capriello, live there on the ground, who heard bangs. Uh, Alex, it was interesting to me that uh, Tracy Walder, former FBI, former CIA, said, uh, and, and I don't know if you heard this interview that that the FBI would only do something like that, tear gas, loud bangs, if they were sure that they were zeroed in on someone there on the ground. Well, that's the kind of expertise we need, a, a law enforcement, high-ranking, yeah. former high-ranking law enforcement source who can really give us that insight because uh, this is about as close as I can get. And you could tell uh, from where we are, you see those headlights in the distance. That's about the, uh, the, you know, the distance and the sort of vicinity of which I heard those loud bangs that came in earlier. That's also where I heard that continuous loudspeaker open, over and over, FBI, open the door. FBI, open the door. I just kept hearing it. And that seems to be where that was coming from. Um, I did get a chance to speak to some of the neighbors who live here. In fact, I'm standing on their driveway right now. They tell me, actually, this is a, uh, a place where multiple card family members either lived or at one point lived. This house right here in the distance, you see with that brick chimney, uh, that is, I'm told, from the neighbor, um, Robert Card's father's home. The, in the distance, a little bit further up the road, I'm told from the neighbor that that is Robert Card's brother's abandoned home. It's been abandoned for a, quite some time. Again, we don't know exactly whether or not anyone was in there. If uh, Robert Card, the, uh, the shooting suspect, was actually in there when FBI made what sounded like to me an infiltration. Uh, but obviously, we do know that there is at least some sort of relevance of these homes to the Card family. Hey, Alex, you, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not in law enforcement, so who knows? So take it for what it's worth. But I, I would think that if they had identified this suspect last evening and, and you know where, you know, the, the relevant homes, family, friends, et cetera, are, that, that they might have gone there at, at the beginning, it, it sets me up for the question of do you know how long law enforcement has, has been on that scene where you are? No, I, it looked like a very fresh scene when I first arrived here, I would say, about an hour ago. In fact, there was very little police presence, just maybe two or three uh, Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms uh, vehicles that were standing right where you see those trucks in the foreground. So it looked like it was almost like I came upon it right when they were beginning to make their move. Uh, I don't know that for sure. What I do know is that the manhunt that's been underway all across this portion of Maine has stretched for a very 
far uh, length all across. Uh, like we're talking about three different towns that were under uh, shelter in place orders today because there was a possibility that he could have been out there and they wanted everyone to remain safe, remain vigilant, but stay safe. My point being is that while I probably uh, agree with you and your assumption that maybe this was the very first place that they looked, obviously, if it has some fam familial connections, that would be a very logical place to look. But they were combing all throughout this area. It's possible that they looked, there was nothing to see there, and then they just moved on. Maybe they got a tip, yeah, maybe yeah. someone saw something, which led them back to this location. But I got to tell you, it was incredibly active about an hour ago. That's when I shot that video where you hear that loudspeaker. And you can see things have really quieted down here. We're not entirely sure what's happened, if they've found the guy or if they are just combing through that house now. But at this point, we are just waiting for more information. Alex, uh, stand by. I want to bring in Congressman Brad Sherman, uh, a Democratic congressman from California who joins us live. Uh, Congressman, we uh, thank you for joining. We were, of course, supposed to talk to you on a, on a host of much different issues. Um, mm -hmm. And then this happens. Um, I'm, I'm wondering what you're thinking as, as you watch all of this live unfold with us. I am sick and tired of uh, hearing how our hopes and our prayers are with the victims. Uh, we need effective gun control. It won't be 100% perfect. Uh, but we in, uh, in the Democratic majority passed the uh, Federal Extreme Risk Protection Order Act uh, last Congress. We can't get even a hearing for the bill this Congress because it's under Republican control. But when you have a situation where someone is put involuntarily in a psychiatric hospital for two weeks and is known by the police, by their family, by, their, by in this case, their military commander to be uh, a danger to the community and perhaps themselves as well, they shouldn't have this kind of firepower. And in California, we have what's called a red flag law. We tried to pass one nationwide. We weren't able to because of the Republicans uh, in the Senate uh, back in 2021. And now we can't even get a hearing on the bill in Congress today. Congressman, what about uh, addressing the mental health concerns as well? Because as, as far as we know it, at least here uh, in the 22nd hour of this, uh, this 40-year-old man from Maine had real serious mental health issues. What needs to be done on the mental health front as you mm -hmm. see it? He was put in a psychiatric hospital for two weeks. I'm sure we'll go back and say that they should have kept him there longer. Um, it's, uh, it's hard to say that the law should have been any different. The law allowed him to be put in a facility for two weeks and for as long, I assume, as, uh, as he was a danger. Uh, psychiatry is, is not an exact science. Uh, obviously, uh, he should still be in a mental institution. Congressman, um, as we continue to, to take a look uh, live in Bowdoin, Maine, um, I'm wondering, you know, you've, you've, you've called for, for action and we've, we've heard it from Democrats for a while. Um, there is now a new Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson. I'm wondering if, if you think that Republicans and Democrats will be able to come together on something, whether it be uh, gun control, um, mental health, combination of both. Uh, Mike Johnson might go along with some additional dollars for mental health, uh, but this illustrates the fact that uh, there are a lot of people in a society that, uh, on the as far as psychiatrists would know, they need some help, but you can't keep them in a mental hospital forever. Now, looking back, obviously, this gentleman should have been kept in a mental hospital for a long, long time, but there are going to be people... Uh, 
where we can't afford to keep them uh, or choose not to keep them in a mental hospital, but we shouldn't let them keep this kind of firepower. And uh, in between uh, institutionalizing someone and giving them uh, this kind of firepower, there, there's a red flag law, and I, I unfortunately I don't think Mike Johnson, our new speaker, is going to let this uh, let us vote on this. All right, uh, Congressman Brad Sherman, we got to leave it there as we continue uh, to keep our eyes on Boat in Maine. We'll have you back uh, uh, another day, but but thank you, sir, for joining us. Appreciate it. I look forward to talking about other issues. Thank you. All right, have a nice day, Congressman. All right, li- live pictures again, if we can keep them up, if you, if uh, if we don't mind, as as the law enforcement presence is there. Johanna Masca, hello. Uh, come on in. Hi. Um, hi. So we're we're watching the the situation unfold in Bowdoin, Maine. You just heard from the congressman from from your home state. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I this is a crime story, um, and uh, and I do think that it is important uh, to give all the resources uh, that the Biden administration has certainly been cooperating with all the local. Uh, and state resources. I think, though, another thing, Blake, I always think about when this happens and it gets constant news coverage is that for the parents like me who are terrified of anything happening to our children, we have to remember contextualizing it that it's still a very small percentage of kids in America who are killed in mass shootings. And as awful as it is, it's actually... The number one killing is still domestic assault. So there are problems we need to tackle. We need to use the facts to tackle them. And I think that we need to realize that we can't scare our communities just because of one incident of one person who has done an awful thing into believing that we are unsafe. Um, You know, you you can, Johanna just brought up, you know, children. Right. Like you can view this in your lens in the moment. Right. Like you you lived in Bowdoin for four years or you went to Bowdoin College, but like you lived there for four years. So you can you can come at this at a different angle. Uh, You know, right now, I think that 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 bottom lower third Mm -hmm. is the way to view everything. Intense manhunt underway after Mm -hmm. shootings in Maine. Like they they still Mm -hmm. need to apprehend this person who killed 18 people. Mm 100%. 100%. And again, that that is obviously under underway. And I, and I think we're already obviously pivoting into conversations of how to try and prevent this uh, in the future. Interestingly enough, uh, you know, we have the Australians in town make as very close with the Australians as I am. Uh, and the vice president uh, hosted them today at the State Department. And she made reference to uh, an awful massacre in Australia in 1996, where three dozen Australians were killed. And and in in response to that, they, they banned assault uh, weapons and high-capacity magazines. And I think you're going to see a renewed push by this administration. President's really focused on, obviously, tackling gun violence. And I think coming out of this conversation, you've got Susan Collins, you've got Angus King. They're going to be at that 6 o'clock press conference. They're often the conscience of the Senate. And I think we might see more movement maybe be on the red flag front, maybe be on some kind of uh, assault weapons uh, ban uh, going forward, because this is now happening more and more. We saw it, you know, in the wake of Uvalde with Republicans, you know, John Cornyn championing uh, that legislation as a Republican. Rick Scott, when he was governor of Florida, passed yeah. a red flag I, law uh, I, in Florida. I don't know. So, 
Like, I mean, it just... Let me take my chief of staff hat on, put my old congressional hat on. Okay. And if you're going to approach this issue, why not approach it on stuff you can agree on, right? And let's mm-hmm. find stuff we can agree on. We should all be able to agree on not letting crazy people get guns. Mm-hmm. So let's focus on how, how to do that. By the way, background checks are great. They don't always work. The young man who shot up that church in Charleston, South Carolina, it, uh, in my home state, yeah. should not have been able to get a gun on a background check, and the background check broke. Okay, so it's not a perfect fix, but it's something we could work on together 100%. to focus. The interview with Brad Sherman is not going to do that. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's not going to do that. Blaming Republicans is not going to, because I, I, I could sit here and say, Brad, you know, you guys had total control. I gave of him the, an open-ended question you, there, you and had, he went right to it. You had the total control of the House, the Senate, the White House. You had 60 votes in the mm-hmm. Senate for two years, and you didn't deal with this issue. So don't blame Republicans now. And again, it's just those type of things. That, that, that's why I'm praising John Cornyn and uh, Republicans, Rick Scott, for taking yeah. the lead on this. Yeah. That's what we, we got to come together, and I think there are ways that we can do that to mix point. I think exactly what you said, Mick. I I think that when we see an issue be so politicized, we aren't able to. And so many of all of us, like 80% of Americans believe something needs to be done on this issue, if not greater. We've got to get past. This is a this is a blanket statement for every issue we're dealing with in America right now. We must get past this partisan gridlock and start talking about facts and let the people who represent the majority of America speak. All right. Well, coming up, we continue to watch, of course, uh, the ongoings in Bowdoin, Maine. Massive law enforcement present there. But also, did you see this today? Iran's foreign minister on U.S. soil. The White House was asked, why did you let him into the country? Their response and what one father of a hostage being held by Iran back to Moss told me today in the halls of the Capitol. We'll get into that when The Hill on News Nation returns. All right, welcome back here to The Hill on News Nation. Of course, the manhunt continues in Maine right now for the gunman who shot and killed at least 18 people, injured 13 others. As you've probably been seeing here, there is a large police. Uh, scene. Once again, live looks. That is Bowdoin, Maine. If there are any updates at any point here, we will immediately go right back to them. As you've seen, Alex Capriello is on the ground. But also, there is this, a threat delivered to the U.S. while in the U.S. Earlier today, Iran's foreign minister stood before the United Nations and gave this warning. I say frankly to the American statesmen, who are now managing the genocide in Palestine, that we do not welcome to expansion of the war in the region. But I warn, if the genocide in Gaza continues, they will not be spared from this fire. And then there's this question. Why was he, Iran's foreign minister, allowed to land in the United States to begin with? He's the foreign minister of Iran. We are the host of the UN. We take that responsibility seriously. Do we particularly like the fact that he's on U.S. soil? No. We hope, quite frankly, we're certainly going to take advantage of the opportunity. We hope others at the UN take advantage of the opportunity to ask tough questions. So uh, Iran funds Hamas. Hamas has killed Israelis, Americans and others has an Israeli and American, along with presumably other citizens from uh, other countries, hostage as well. The question, why let the guy in? It's, it's a fair one. 
but you both argue there's precedent here. It's the rules. We have to. That's what we agreed to do, and we agreed to be the host nation for the United Nations. It's it's tough being the leading nation in the world. It really is. Hmm. But Khrushchev came here. Chavez came here. I mean, this Castro. Is, this is you what know. you do when you are the host of the United Nations. So I, I don't see it as a sign of weakness. I see it as a sign of strength. What I, about the comment from the Iranian foreign minister I mean, I think warning the United yeah, States? Yeah, I think it's a little unfortunate that he's not sweating it a little more. I mean, he looks mighty comfortable up there. And, like, can you imagine if the tables were turned? And there's no American that would ever feel safe. I mean, it speaks to how excellent we are and the standards that we hold right. themselves to as a nation, that we don't go in and slaughter him, right? But the fact is... This would never be. This is. This shows that there's no moral equivalency between who we stand for and what we stand for in the West, and the terrorists and the murders that run Hamas. And to be clear, he's not here to come to Disney World. He's not. Right. He didn't come to give a speech and then gets to hang out for a couple of days. He comes to give the speech, participate in the official hearings, and then he has to get out. So it's not like this is a vacation. Johanna. Yeah, I was going to say, and actually, the UN is technically international territory. He has to land here and go there, but we host it, as they both said. Denise, you know, I, as a woman, we both know Iran would never be a place that any of us would want to live. Them talking about genocide is rich. And I think that this, you know, war of information is one we're in. And we all need to call out Iran for their abuse of their own citizens and for their abuse worldwide. I couldn't agree more, Johanna. I mean, you and I, even if, being a woman, we, we obviously have great instincts and we're friends, so that really helps. But we, yeah, this well. is just, this shouldn't require even a female-male distinction or Democrat-Republican. If you cannot agree that these people are pure evil, they are murderers, they, and they deserve no place diplomatically on the world stage, then we, we have a much bigger issue that we need to deal with. And you're seeing that reflected in the younger generation. I just saw a horrific stat about Gen Z and 48% of Gen Z not believing that Hamas is a terrorist organization. Yeah, I, it's, it's I mean, what are we teaching in our universities and our schools to well, believe maybe, that anti-Semitism and that well, you can hate people maybe, is a maybe, thing. maybe they should watch this for a second. Because earlier today I went up to Capitol Hill. Uh, I mentioned, of course... Hamas and the hostages. There was a, a father of two hostages, his daughter, his son-in-law, who was meeting with lawmakers, Chuck Schumer, other senators, members of the House, earlier today. And I spoke with him in between his meetings, and here's what he told us. Tell me about your, tell me about your, your daughter and son-in-law. Yeah, I wanted to explain that on the one hand, you understand that I have my daughter and son-in-law who are uh, designated as probably abducted in Gaza. We don't have a definite uh, appraisal at this point. Um, and together with that, I'm, I'm for some reason, I don't, I don't know how to explain it, I'm able to compartmentalize that. All right, this is the situation here, but there's also a wider regional and global uh, situation uh, uh, with ramifications uh, for very uh, significant uh, geopolitical issues. Uh, now is the time, or, or as the president explained, that this attack on Israel, which was an attack on the United States, is an actual inflection point in history. And the idea is to seize the moment. So right now we have a conflict, and we're trying to secure the hostages released from Gaza using a, all of the 
um, experience that the United States has gained over the years dealing with groups like this uh, in order to get it right. And be very frank, obviously, uh, the, the Israelis, we need to employ means that would reduce civilian casualties, people who aren't involved, although the Hamas is violating every rule of war in the book. You can only imagine a, a parent that the children being held by terrorists right now. Yeah, but like, can you see the anguish? Of yeah, the yeah, dad? It was, dad. I mean, I'm glad that you noticed it because, like, in and person, he was holding he back. Uh, yeah. I think too. Uh, and listen, I think you know to the Iran question that we we're talking about before. I think that's why you know we've dispatched two carrier groups. You've got the Ford and the Eisenhower now. Uh, I think to put pressure uh, very directly on the Iranian regime uh, to project strength in that region. That's something that we don't normally do uh, to have two carrier groups uh, in the same place at the same time uh, with all the other ships are a a part of that. Um, So I think the president has been very direct uh, in response to uh, Iranian uh, aggression on this front uh, because it's not just Hamas, as you talked about, Blake, it's also Hezbollah. And I think that's the real fear is what does Hezbollah do uh, headquartered in Lebanon? All right, well, coming up, uh, we, of course, continue to watch the manhunt in Maine that continues after a gunman kills 18 innocent victims. Ashley Banfield, Elizabeth Vargas, join me next as our live coverage continues. Bowdoin, Maine, law enforcement on the scene there. Ashley and Elizabeth, next. Welcome back here to The Hill on News Nation. Let's go back out live to Bowdoin, Maine. Alex Capriello live on the scene for us once again. Alex, it sounds like there, there might be some movement around you. Yeah, we're hearing a little bit more from the law enforcement here on the scene. It's not a huge development, but it's one that caught our attention. They basically just came uh, up to all of us who have gathered here to see for ourselves what's going on. And they instructed us, hey, everyone that's on this side of the road needs to move their cars now because we need to make way for ambulances. At this point, we don't know if that is a legitimate claim, a legitimate concern, or if that's just something that they're trying to use to buy a little bit more wiggle room. They have clearly are a little upset that we're as close as we are, but, uh, you know, we have full permission to be exactly where we're standing. But that was the uh, claim that they made to us. We need you guys to move your cars because we need more room for ambulances. No ambulances in sight yet, but we're going to stay on it, and uh, we'll keep you posted. All right, Alex Capriello, uh, live for us once again in Bowdoin, Maine. Alex, thank you. Let's bring in now Ashley Banfield, uh, Elizabeth Vargas. Uh, I know both of you two have been watching this, as we all have, and thank you for joining. Ashley, um, you know, it, it seems like they're, they're getting close there, potentially. Uh, Alex talking about the FBI going in, hearing sounds, hearing bangs. Ambulance access uh, usually means that there's someone who needs attention, whether living or dead, I don't know, but that's pretty significant, especially since that was a, a, apparently an abandoned building that belonged to someone in the family, um, you know, varying reports, whether dad or brother. But if you're the kind of person like Robert Card with the training he has, you can't stay outside for long without needing supplies. And supplies come from homes, either your home or someone else's home or an abandoned home. So it's very, very possible that that's why they went to this location and that they may have found someone holed up in that location. But every time, Blake, that I hear about a standoff in the woods like that, Mm -hmm. when you hear three loudspeakers going, come out, it's the FBI, uh, typically Typically, there is someone inside. Yeah. Um, Elizabeth, uh, as we continue to watch here, and, and you're coming up in, in 10 minutes, we might hear from authorities at, at any moment now. You almost have to wonder with 
move for ambulances, FBI on the scene. Um, if, if we're watching maybe, you know, the last minutes of this, of, of them closing in on this suspect. Gosh, I sure hope so. And I think probably yeah. about 150,000 people in these main communities hope so. Uh, these folks have been under lockdown now for nearly 24 hours. They no, Nothing yeah. is open. Schools are closed. Businesses closed. Roads blocked off. People are told to shelter in place. Uh, this has been, frankly, terrifying. We've been speaking to several people who live in the area throughout the day. They're terrified. Um, and, and they have good reason to be terrified. Uh, this man has, is heavily armed. He has a great deal of, of experience. He's an, a, an experienced outdoorsman. He's been on the run now for 24 hours. It looks like he had some sort of plan here. Um, this is an unusual thing to first go to one uh, target area, open fire, kill several people, then get in your car, drive to a second location, open fire, kill more people, and then disappear, ditch the car at a dock. Uh, we've got the Coast Guard searching waterways. and But, you know, Ashley made a really important point. A guy on the run, no matter who he is, no matter how experienced he is, no matter how well prepared he is, needs supplies. And he will go to places, homes, notably, abandoned homes especially, to find those supplies. So clearly that is what they're looking for right now. You know, I only have a minute left, uh, but, but you just, at some point, hopefully this ends soon, and then you have, a town and a community and, and families dealing with the tragedy and dealing with the ruins here, and you can't help but think of a community that's shattered. Absolutely. That's why I always like the term neutralize. Neutralize means only one thing. Stop it any way possible. Stop it in a pool of blood or stop it with handcuffs, but it just means stop. Elizabeth? Yeah, well, even after they stop it, these people will be marked and scarred, I'm sure, emotionally, psychologically, forever from the trauma of surviving this, the trauma of losing loved ones, the trauma of people being injured, their lives upended on a, a, what was it by all accounts, a lovely social uh, Wednesday night uh, at the bowling alley at the favorite bar and grill in town. These folks were just relaxing and, and having a great time. There was a tournament for the deaf community at the bowling alley among the victims are people who could not even hear those gunshots and did not have that split second to hear the danger and dive for safety. So uh, this is a, a town, a community of people who will be traumatized by this for probably yeah. the rest of their lives. Elizabeth, we'll see you in seven minutes. Thank you for joining. Ashley, thank you as well. Uh, 10 o'clock Eastern tonight. You can watch Ashley Banfield as well. We will be right back here on News Nation. Stay with us. All right, welcome back here to The Hill. Before we go, some final thoughts. Johanna, start with you. Yeah, this community has been terrorized by a sick individual. I hope we as a community figure out ways we can move ahead and without the partisan talking points, which I think we did tonight. So hopefully we can continue. Well, amen times a thousand, Johanna. You and I agree on so much, even though we're on different sides of the aisle, because what we care about most is the welfare of our country and its citizens and not trying to make a point at the expense of changing policy. Amen. I'll, I'll endorse all that. And I'll also say it's a real credit to Alex and his team on the ground. You know, I'd be in the first network to be uh, in the thick of things is pretty impressive. Uh, we're going to have to have a long conversation about mental health. Uh, we yeah. didn't even get a chance to talk today about the guy who almost cla- crashed the airplane on, uh, on the mm-hmm. West Coast. Um, the mental health is a big, big issue. Yeah, and clearly at the center of uh, one of the centerpieces here of this story in Maine. All right, well, we thank you for watching The Hill on News Nation. We'll be back tomorrow, 5 o'clock Eastern. Thank you all. We're going to turn things over to Elizabeth Vargas a little bit earlier tonight as we are... 
Uh, continuing our coverage here on News Nation, potential news conference as well in Maine. Thank you for watching. All right, right now on Elizabeth Vargas Reports. News Nation on the scene where not long ago agents descended on that property. Is law enforcement closing in on the man responsible?